Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Subnet Show. I am your host, Gabriel Cardona, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the amazing man with the most cats in crypto, Connor Daly. What is up, my friend? Hey, Gabriel. Uh, for our, for our uh, YouTube viewers, uh, the setting might look a little different today. I'm actually on the road uh, out visiting uh, some some future in-laws, so I know physical cats with me, but I do have my my cat t-shirt <laughs> to uh, to keep me company. They're there in I spirit. They're there in spirit. All right. Thank you. Nice to see you. Safe uh, travels on your journey. I see a safe journey. I see a safe return. Um, so as I mentioned a couple of weeks back, one of the amazing um, aspects of my job is that I get to travel around the world and I get to uh, meet people who are genuinely having an impact with the blockchain. And um, as I've said many times before, I believe that the blockchain will end up being as transformative as the web and potentially even greater. And in the same way that the web democratized information and made it ubiquitous, um, the blockchain has the potential to do the same thing for finance or for money. And that is just the potential to have a really radical impact on the human condition. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I do. And one of the reasons I've been working in this industry for as long as I have. And um, maybe like four or five years ago on my radar, I started hearing about like this little renaissance that was happening in blockchain out in Wyoming. And so I think it was 2017, 2018, um, I first made my way to Laramie, Wyoming to the Wyo Hackathon where I may, met today's guest. So now allow me to introduce um, the absolute amazing Caitlin Long. Let me give a rundown of her creds. So Caitlin is a 22-year Wall Street veteran. We won't hold that against her. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, Bitcoin since 2012, though, so hardcore cypherpunk and definitely understands the movement in a very, very deep way. She was the governor, maybe she still is, the Governor Gordon appointee to the Wyoming uh, Blockchain Select Committee. And she's also the founder and CEO of Avanti Bit, which is one of the things we want to deep dive on today. So awesome. thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, Kaylin? Hey, great to see you again. It's my honor to be here. Yes. And yes, you've been out. You're an old timer as Wild Hackathon <laughs> participants go. And yes. you attract a lot of developers to come to the hackathon. So obviously put that on everyone's radar screen because you can actually get the, you can get access to Gabriel and some pretty rock star <laughs> people there um, well, in a relatively gonna... small group. <laughs> oh yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the best um, ROI hackathons I've been to because it's in Laramie and you know not a lot of people find their way to Laramie unless you're specifically going there. And But the, the, the quality of people there is just A plus, everybody's A plus. So when you go there, you just get to network and have FaceTime with so many high level people like Caitlin, you know, I got to sit there and chat with her for 30 or 45 minutes about Avanti and about Avalanche and about the entire crypto journey. And it was just, you know, doesn't feel rushed. It feels very personal. And it's just amazing. I'm a huge fan of Wyoming. It's absolutely beautiful. Driving from Denver to Laramie is one of the most beautiful drives that there is out there for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so it, Go ahead. Well, I was going to add um, just as a, as a little pitch, part of the reason you came in the very beginning is the prize pot was so high. Um, because it's a, it's a nonprofit and, and it, the university gives us access to the facilities for free. And um, basically we just have to cover the hard costs. So, so there's a big pot of money that goes to the developers. And so, um, yeah, as you talk about ROI for developers, I know we're kind of given a heavy pitch for this, but you know, you and I both have put a lot of heart and soul into this. It's a nonprofit event and it's people like us who are there who make it what it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. I believe the the pot was one hundred seventeen thousand last time. Is that the correct value? Yeah, and two years ago it was two hundred thousand. Um, right. Obviously, you know, with COVID and everything, sure, um, sure. some things have changed. But yeah, um, it's yeah. it's it's a, significant, for, it's a significant amount. It's non trivial. Like that's an angel round to start a startup. I'm yeah. sure many great startups have started on less than that amount of money. You know what I mean? And we've had more VCs come this year as well because there's um, it's part we're now calling it the YO YO Hackathon, which is part of Wyoming Blockchain Stampede. Um, and there are there are actually a couple of, of VC um, you know pitch uh, um, parallel events that that run as well. I think this past year we had about 450 people come through, which you know again these mm -hmm. are these we're we're punching way above our weight class for a relatively sure. small place for sure. Yeah. And and it's because we're doing so much for the industry broadly speaking. Yeah. And so that's really what we want to talk to. I mean, I, I, there's so many questions I could get into. And I know Connor in the past has told me like, indirectly or directly, let's focus more on what they're doing for the crypto. But I love to dive into people's <laughs> past. To me, like it's always yeah. their journey is so, so, so interesting to me. So let's at least um, touch on the journey. So you are from Laramie or you're from Wyoming? I'm from Laramie. Yeah. From the University of Wyoming. My dad was the head of the electrical, electrical engineering department. Oh my God. And I'm a failed electrical engineer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be one of you guys, but, uh, but, uh, but the, the, the math got me and I wasn't going to get straight A's. So, um, so I keep parallel, joking. I'll go back and finish. There's an a engineering parallel degree. universe where you're designing hardware wallets, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you don't need, you trust me. You don't want me to do that right now, but, but but I, I, as, as, as Gabriel, you've heard me say many times, I, I, the developers are the most important people in the ecosystem. And people like me who are not developers, who are mere mortals, um, we're the ones who can help make the legal system backwards compatible with what you guys are doing. And, and that's, the, um, that's kind of my contribution to the open source community is helping to get the legal and regulatory clarity to let you guys shine and not have the law try to influence the tech. Got it. So yeah, that's, so that's so huge. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just to say, because uh, it's so easy as a developer to just build and just ignore all the consequences of the outside world, but it always comes a knocking eventually, and it might not be yeah. this year, but um, especially with uh, the kind of the, the crackdown on like our tokens, securities, things like that, like engineering decisions that can seem very trivial to somebody who's just in the weeds can really come back to bite you. And so it's really important to have these kind of guidelines and have people like you on the front lines of all the other non-technical domains trying to make sure that uh, people can continue to innovate because there's a yeah. real possibility in the future that, you know, that there is going to be a, a, a regulatory war or something like that, that really oh, yeah. slows crypto. And uh you know having having warriors on the front lines like you uh, <laughs> definitely makes me feel better about our future <laughs> well i think it's already starting we were chatting kind of in the green room before we started um that you know a lot of the in, in the avalanche community in particular there are a lot of new startups with folks who may or may not have been around four years ago in the previous bull market and something happened four years ago that um, if you got some, some battle scars, you'll understand, but if you're new to it, you might not know about it, which is that all of a sudden in the fall of 2017, um, the, the banks just started closing bank accounts for startups en masse. And there was, a, um, it, from what we can tell, a directive that went out to the banks to 
review their customer lists to see a, who was participating in crypto because it was deemed to be high risk. And what happened is a lot of banks just went through and culled their accounts for anybody who was dealing in crypto. And then you had a few banks try to specialize in it um, very successfully, like Silvergate or Signature. Um, but really, there's just a small handful of banks that service this industry still today. And there's a there's that, that there's a, a leftover hangover from that. Um, and so the reason why I'm bringing that up is we're going to see that again. It's starting again. And there's not there's not like a real announcement that happens because all these the way bank regulation works is the supervisors when they're doing their exams of the banks are the ones who are implicitly pressuring because of the questions that they're asking and it's going to make the banks deemed higher risk and so the banks decide they don't want to do those activities anymore and um and so you know i'm just letting folks know this is coming again i'm reading the tea leaves because i know how to read bank speak and it's coming again and so harden your business i mean you know talk to your bank make sure that they're not going to do that to you and one of the things that that determined whether some of the startups failed or survived unfortunately 4 years ago was whether the banks uh, whether the startups had a had a durable bank relationship and so what one of the things a lot of people took away from that experience um, the startups who were starting companies is make sure that you get more than one bank account. Um, and, you know, I mean, that turned out to, it's crazy that we have to think this way, but it turned out in our industry that in many ways that, that turned on, I remember having a conversation with Jesse Powell at Kraken that, um, that, you know, in the, that we, they saw that four years ago in the previous bull market in 2013 as well. And part of the reason why the big exchanges that are around today are as successful as they are. And some of the smaller ones fell by the wayside is exactly this. You had to think about where's the attack vector on your business from the regulator regulators and one of the one attack vector on this entire industry is the bank relationships wow yeah so yeah. i think that, i think that kind huge. of yeah, yeah i think that kind of perfectly leads us into why we brought you here today to talk about your amazing <laughs> new startup so um you are the founder and ceo of avanti bit mm -hmm. avanti bank yep avanti bank yes so please just give us the super <laughs> high level and then you know drill down to the problem you guys are solving well we're we're trying to break through um and we're not totally there yet, but um, we are optimistic. We're, we're, we're going to get there. We'll have some announcements relatively soon. We will be operating in 2022 mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and we will be specializing in this industry. So bringing additional US dollar deposit capacity. When I, by the way, when I'm talking about the bank accounts that were closed, this was not for crypto. This was just for US dollars. I mean, I, I think a lot of us who are old timers have either had bank accounts closed on us or um, or we or we know people who've had bank accounts closed on us. It's kind of like the SIM swap thing. Like it, you know, pretty much everybody went through that, and it's going to happen again. And um, it, with the with the bank account closures, and so Avanti, part of the reason Wyoming set out to create a special purpose depository institution charter is exactly this. Um, let let's let's create a safe and sound way that's non-threatening to the bank regulators on how to plug crypto into the traditional US dollar system and do it in, 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 a, in a way that ticks all the boxes from a regulatory perspective. So we are a bridge between the traditional and the new decentralized worlds. Um, and yes, as a bank, um, every bank has to comply with the Bank Secrecy Act. So all the know your customer, anti-money laundering, OFAC the requirements, every single bank has to deal with that. Some of the things that everybody complains the most about um, with their bank relationships in this industry are those things. 
Um, but it's not the bank's choice. It's kind of like, you know, everyone likes to complain about how awful the service from the airlines um, can be. And, and, and the truth is, it's not really the airline's fault. Most of the time, it's the regulations they have to comply with. Um, and that's true here for, for the Bank Secrecy Act um, stuff, too. It just whether we agree with it or not, it is the law and the banks have to comply with it. So, um, it, you know, so, so, so we're, we are absolutely going to be specializing in servicing this industry, though. So we are going to be deemed high, high risk. Um, and we know that we're going to get more um, scrutiny than the average uh, startup bank. But what we're trying to do is solve the following problem. There's only about $80 billion, per my estimate, of US dollar banking capacity serving the entire $3 trillion, give or take, crypto industry right now. Um, and as you guys know, because, um, you know, Gabriel, you, we talked a lot about stablecoins um, when we were in Laramie back in September. The stablecoin market has voted with its feet. It is 99% US dollar. And, um, and so the fact that there's only 80 billion of US dollar deposit capacity on, you know, three-ish trillion of assets is kind of a problem. Um, that's a, it, it is a single source of failure exposure for our industry. Ryan Selkis at Masari has started, he started saying that two years ago, and I just got the email today. He's got his annual report out, and I um, haven't had time to look at it, but I suspect that he's going to say, again, this is a bottleneck issue. It's a single, single point of failure issue. Um, and it might be kind of crazy for your listeners to hear me talk about all this U.S. dollar stuff, because aren't we trying to disrupt the U.S. dollar financial system? Yes, we are. We're trying to make it better. Um, but to be honest, the, 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 the two-way bridge matters right now. You've got to be able to get dollars, got to, give it, got to be able to get value from the traditional industry into the crypto industry. Um, and and the, the, the wider that bridge and the easier the flows go back and forth, we know full well that the flows are going to be mostly one way, but, um, but the wider that bridge is, uh, the, the, the more durable it is for this industry. It, it just, it takes one of the attack vectors for for uh, for this industry off the table. Yeah, and I think uh, for DAOs that run like real businesses that aren't just, you know, maybe necessarily a social group, uh, you have to pay suppliers, you have to pay vendors, you have to do all these things that require cash uh, because, you know, yep. You know, Cloudflare doesn't accept payment in crypto, you know, right. uh, hiring somebody to do some, uh, you know, random like computing tasks. So these things all take, you know, U.S. dollars. Payroll. So how do you actually yeah. manage that payroll? Uh, you know, Paying your electricity bill. Requirements. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you the, br the bridge needs to go both ways. And, you know, uh, this, is, this is a huge problem for people. I think banks, mm -hmm. I, it, it's really interesting the perspective you brought up because I'm familiar more with the personal perspective of I've heard a lot, a lot of friends will try to get mortgages and they'll try to like use their mm -hmm. crypto as an asset which banks won't accept or something like that. Right. So you can't, uh, so you're like, oh, I have a lot of money, but I, I can't, I can't let the bank, the bank won't let me, won't treat me like I have a lot of yep. money or uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting to hear this perspective on, you know, you know, from a company building perspective, how you does your relationship with the bank, you know, affect your ability to do business. And <laughs> I'm learning a lot about how precarious that is. <laughs> just yeah. right now. Well, yeah. one of the things that the um, that the U.S. has done, unfortunately, is to say that you're not a valid business if you don't have a bank account. And the reason they say that, they don't say that directly, but the reason they say that is that you have to remit your payroll withholding taxes to the IRS electronically through your bank. So if you don't have a bank account, then you can't comply with your IRS withholding requirements, right? So yeah, that's why I say this is an attack vector. I mean, Wyoming really was very thoughtful about where are going to be the attack vectors on this industry. And you know, with Bitcoin at you know, $2,000, um, 
the attack vectors are very different than with Bitcoin at $10,000. And now with Bitcoin, you know, having topped 65,000, um, the attack vectors are different. They're going to be different again at 100,000 or a million, right? And so, um, and, and so we really tried to think through okay, we're, we're trying to future-proof this. So yes, let's give some legal status to the assets and say, yes, they're property. So that helps eventually get to the point where you can pledge these as collateral for a mortgage. We're not there yet, but the legal regime is in place in Wyoming. Um, and we're starting to recognize some of the new types of, of um, business entities. We should talk about the Dow LLC. That's a, that is a misnomer. Okay. I'll acknowledge that up front because- um, it, it, DAOs are supposed to be decentralized. So how is it that you can have a limited liability company, which is an LLC mm -hmm. that's decentralized? Um, and the answer is you really don't. But what you, what you do have with the DAO LLC is a means by which you can create a legal entity that can open a bank account and can do business with suppliers, can pay suppliers, can, you know, send the, you know, the, the W9 form, um, to verify that yes, you're a legitimate business and you can get a bank account. Um, and then what can happen over time is that the DAO can vote itself to decentralize. Uh, but there does have to be a human being involved. Um, so it's not a true DAO, I acknowledge it's not a true DAO. But what's the benefit of Wyoming, of registering as a Wyoming DAO LLC? Um, you start to be able to actually take the old, you know, industrial age corporate form, the business entity form of the industrial age is the corporation. Um, and, the, and, and the corporation has, you know, very specific governance documents and all the agreements are written in paper. And you say, okay, well, maybe we don't have to have the operating agreement be in paper anymore. Maybe the operating agreement can be in code. And if there is a dispute between the members of the LLC and it's taken to a court, the judge has to interpret the code. That's what Wyoming <laughs> did. Nobody else has done that yet. Um, and Wyoming just as of yesterday launched its, um, its what's called a chancery court, which is a business only court that is a court of special jurisdiction to, to handle business disputes. So you're not you know, in a legal case with a divorce um, before you and a drunk mm -hmm. driver after you, right? Mm -hmm. It's business only and the judges are sophisticated in business matters. And, and it's a perfect thing for Wyoming to specialize in, um, in, in, in basically code is law type of agreements. And the judge has to, by, by law, um, take the operating agreement in the form of code. Somebody, the judge is going to have to go get a specialist. So that's something that some of you engineers might be called upon to interpret the code and translate <laughs> it for a judge yeah. in court someday. It is going to happen. There will yeah. be disputes. Yeah. There will be lawyers, mm -hmm. you know, that specialize in, in, in Dow litigation. Um, but anyway, all, all this, you know, probably the, the hardcore engineer cyberpunk types are saying, <laughs> why are we bothering? Um, but the answer is you're bothering because these things are attack vectors, whether you realize them or not, on your wealth and, and on your business. And so what you want to try to do is make it backwards compatible so that, so that you know, you can't have a lawyer or a judge, you know, come take your crypto away someday. Yeah, hundred percent. There's probably a really good uh, a career path here for people who are interested in, in law and technology to be like professional witnesses. <laughs> yeah. To just kind of like do the technical testifying uh, in all these courts. So if anybody, if anybody's interested, if you start now, you might you might be ready <laughs> by the time the the need really comes around. <laughs> oh, totally. And and I got to say, you know, I have enough um, knowledge of engineering to be dangerous. But when I spend a lot of time with the policy people, like the lawyers and economists in Washington, DC, they do not understand code at all. 
in most cases. They've just never rolled up sleeves and understood it. And that, yet they're the ones that are making the law. Um, and, you know, look at, look at the average age of the, uh, of the people in Congress, right? I mean, it's, I don't know how many of them have ever traded crypto, but it's not very many. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the ones that have, obviously we cherish all of them. And it's fun because um, I just got a call from somebody you know, on the opposite side of the political aisle of Senator Lummis from Wyoming, she she tends to be more of a of a liberty liberty leaning Republican, and I got a call from a very liberal progressive who's who's going to try to <laughs> flip the progressives to come come towards mm -hmm. crypto, and I'm going to spend time with her tomorrow. Um, she's running for I won't mention um, because I don't endorse candidates, but she's running for a big office, and I thought, you know, what the heck? We need more people like her who are crypto friendly and who are willing to roll up sleeves, and I think we're going to see strange bedfellows. From the from the political in the political landscape, we already saw Senator Lummis um, and uh, Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon um, try to join. To they did join together to try to block that that the terrible language in the infrastructure bill. I don't think those two would would agree on pretty much anything else <laughs> except for crypto, <laughs> right? And so it, you kind of get some single issue voters in there who are like, well, I, I'll you know I'll take them from wherever on the spectrum politically they are if they as long as they believe in crypto, we start building up a coalition. That's pretty cool, and and it's happening. It's definitely happening. And, and over in the next 10, 10 years, you're going to see I think a realignment based on who sure. believes in crypto and who doesn't. Yeah, because crypto advocates are on the on the most affluent, um, informed, passionate. Um, you know, like it's it's not the kind of hive you necessarily want to kick, because there's a lot <laughs> right, of people who really care about it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it would be cool to maybe zoom out and kind of give a like an overview of all of the amazing stuff, or at least we can touch upon sort of whatever jumps out at you that's happening in Wyoming. So kind of the pitch I've been giving people is as I perceive it, so please steer me back on track here. Um, Wyoming is a very sort of like forward-looking state. And for example, the first LLC um, was created in Wyoming. The Wyoming had the first, I think, female governor. Um, yep. the, the largest number of billionaires per capita, I believe, is in Wyoming. There's just a lot, in, yeah, there's a lot of wealth in yeah. Wyoming. There's a lot of smart people in <laughs> Wyoming. Like when you pull into the University of Wyoming's campus, for example, you immediately get a sense of like, okay, this is, this is definitely for real. And so mm -hmm. um, I think now 65% of the LLCs which are created in the United States are probably done over LegalZoom and they're all done in Delaware. If you've ever done a startup mm -hmm. and created an LLC at a little hackathon, chances are you use LegalZoom and you did Delaware. So as yeah. she mentioned, as of July, I believe this year, July or June, you can officially incorporate a DAO in Wyoming, but there's been more than that. I believe Tyler told us there's been 24 different uh, acts of legislation which have passed yep. to make cryptocurrency, Wyoming like a crypto haven. So um, do you have a sense, do any jump out at your mind? What are some other exciting things that are in that basket of 24? Well, again, given that this audience here is as developers, one of the cool, cool things is Wyoming has a code is law law. Um, it's a First Amendment protection for software developers that code is speech. And, um, and, and so as long as you're not using your code nefariously, if you write code, um, then, then um, you're not responsible for how someone else uses it. The people who are responsible to use it um, to break the people who are using it to break the law, those are the criminals. It's not the developers that write the code. There is no law anywhere in the in the United States similar to that. Um, and it, you know, when we got that legislation through, I say we because I was helping at the time. Um, the there were some some of the legislators who were really afraid that um, that that 
criminal law was not going to be able to be enforced and and you had you know the 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 dark web type um you know uh, the, the people who use code nefariously were going to be protected and this is always going to be a problem there were people who voted against the bill and, and narrowed it we wanted all code to be speech and all code therefore to be protected but um but they said no it, it's it's only the um, only if you do not actually write malicious code will it be protected. Um, but it really did say, look, the developers themselves are not going to be liable for the code. It's those who use it to break the law for open source code that are. So I, I, that one, Christopher Allen, um, who's one of the co-creators of the TLS standard, you guys probably all know him, very involved with the Linux Foundation. Um, he was extremely involved in that one. He's also working on identity. We haven't done anything on, on identity yet. And I, I, I know that's one of the most difficult engineering problems out there. And um, like identity and voting, it just feels like those two um, we haven't quite cracked the nut collectively in technology yet to those two, because, and they're of course going to be very interconnected. How do you, how do you prove unique identity and um, how do you make it so that someone can't steal it? Um, yes, some of you are probably thinking it's possible. It's already been done, but not at scale yet. Um, and, you know, we haven't seen governments adopt it yet. So do not be surprised if Wyoming is one of the first places to adopt it. I, I, West Virginia did adopt a voting, a blockchain-based voting um, pilot, um, and then ended up, uh, because there were security issues that MIT had identified, um, you know, not, not, not pushing it. They did it for, for overseas military voting at the time. This was a couple of years ago now. And then it, not, not much has happened because it's so darn hard to, to create something that's secure at scale. But these are really intractable problems. And I'm hoping that Wyoming breaks through on those. But other than that, most of the laws Wyoming passes are pretty standard and pretty simple. We recognize um, crypto as, as property. Um, there's no tax on crypto in Wyoming. Um, it, there's a clarification that money transmitters in, in crypto, um, the law doesn't apply. So you don't have to get a money transmitter license. You'll find that in most states, you do have to get a money transmitter license if you're transmitting value, on, especially if it's a custodial arrangement. In Wyoming, um, one of the Wyoming's one of the few states where you don't. So uh, a lot of those kinds of things have happened just to make it very practically a, a, a great place to do business for this industry, especially. And are people, um, are you seeing this become a blueprint which other places are trying to just take Wyoming's laws and drop them into their own legislation? Yeah, uh, I think um, we're up to 17 states that have passed at least one of Wyoming's laws. So get, you, you, you've correctly pointed out Wyoming's been a pioneer in some of these things. Um, when Wyoming gave women the right to vote in 1869, um, it, was, it took 50 years for the rest of the United States to, to catch up. Uh, and then when Wyoming invented the limited liability company as a new form of business entity um, to replace the corporation, that was in 1977. And it took 10 years for the rest of the United States to catch up. So I think you're gonna see some of Wyoming's laws, um, you're already seeing it's taking less than 10 years. So when Wyoming leads, um, other states tend to follow. And that's why do you a think that thing. is as, as a local Wyoming person, why is Wyoming so, so aggressive and forward looking? Well, you, you were here, so you got a little sense of it. Um, the, the, the University of Wyoming's motto, it has two mottos. One, the world needs more cowboys, and the other is pertinent. <laughs> Bucking the system since 1886. So yeah. this is the... This is a place whose motto is bucking the system. Um, so, and, and that ethos goes through here. I mean, it, you know, you had Tyler on a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, I'm sure he talked about his Food Freedom Act um, and also talked about Wyoming's commitment to privacy. It's the only state, I believe, that does not require you to, to disclose your identity when you set up an LLC. Uh, the law says that you have to disclose it to what's called your registered agent. So um, it's not like you're totally anonymous because if the FBI needs to know who you are, they'll just go to your registered agent and give them a subpoena and, and the registered agent will have to comply. But, um, but most of the registered agents are lawyers, so they're, they're protected by something called attorney-client privilege, which means that you really do have to get a subpoena and prove probable cause in order to you know, figure out the identity. And so Wyoming, there, were, there, were, um, there was a group called the Panama Papers about five, six years ago now, um, and, and there was a lot of wealth that was you know, hidden. Um, and oh, the you know, media went after all these people who were hiding their money as if, um, you know, as if that property wasn't actually the people's property. But nonetheless, I'm sure there was a lot that was nefarious as well. And Wyoming LLCs were all over the Panama Papers. And there were some people because of the privacy um, aspects and because of the, uh, uh, there were some people in Wyoming who were horrified by that um, and tried to um, cause Wyoming to become more like other states and require that identities be disclosed when you form an LLC and the, the state would have to collect that information. Keep in mind, there's no income tax in Wyoming, no state income tax in Wyoming. So the, the state of Wyoming doesn't know who you are and what your business is um, unless you want to disclose that. Again, the registered agent is the one who, who knows it. So long story short, um, the, the legislature got back together because there was a push to, to try to require all that identity information to be collected by the state. And um, by a veto-proof majority, the, the Wyoming legislature said, no, we like our privacy, thanks very much. So um, unfortunately, they can't stop you from, from you know, your bank requiring all of the disclosure of that information of, of what's called the beneficial owner. And Avanti is going to have to require, that, require you to disclose that information because that's federal law. Um, so the state can only go so far to you know, protect privacy. The federal law does preempt in this area, unfortunately. But, but long story short, um, there's this ethos in Wyoming of kind of this um, in a, of rugged individualism is another phrase you'll hear bandied about here. People are pretty self self sufficient. They want to be left alone, especially by by the federal government. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, there's a nice confluence of of philosophies between decentralization and respect for property rights. Um, so, crypto just just was another manifestation of that. And 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 the legislators here really got it. They did understand at a visceral level. The, the, the concept of true respect for property rights and decentralization. Got it. And then what was your, um, I, I think somebody had told me when I was there, this is the fuzzy version of it, so please correct me, that you had wanted to make a donation to your alma mater in Bitcoin and that they were unable to accept it because it was a crypto and they pointed you to Tyler. Is that how you connected with Tyler and got plugged into the whole journey? Yeah, pretty close. Uh, very good. Um, yeah, so it started with, uh, I, I told you my dad was the electrical engineering department head at the University of Wyoming. So grew up in the college town and and, uh, and I'm a failed engineer. And anyway, um, when Bitcoin started running up in 2017, um, I decided to donate some of it, you know, pay it forward uh, to set up an endowment in my dad's memory 
for female engineers. And part of the reason it was specifically for female engineers is because of my experience. I should have stuck with it. I just, I wasn't going to get straight A's and the, and calculus too <laughs> was what got me. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and anyway, um, you know, this is a problem. I, I, as I was trying to hire engineers at Symbiont, we started to realize if you if you're trying to hire a female engineer, um, this is one of the few areas where the females are in such high demand that they actually, in many cases, make more money than the males because um, because they're in such high demand. It was really hard <laughs> to recruit. Seriously, um, and and so you know, I'm trying to solve the problem just. Privately, I I didn't intend to have this become a public thing, um, and and I ran. You're right, smack dab into Wyoming had a bad money transmitter law. It was one of the three states that um, that required that that money that the crypto companies had to hold a dollar for dollar reserve in addition to the value of the crypto they were transmitting on behalf of customers. So Coinbase and Circle and all those early exchanges had pulled out of Wyoming in 2015 due to Wyoming's bad law. And so by 2017, when, when I discovered this in my native state, I was in New York at the time, but you know, this was my native state. Um, and they, they couldn't, the University of Wyoming Foundation couldn't accept my Bitcoin donation because as a Wyoming corporation, nobody would do business with them due to Wyoming's bad law. And so I said, guys, we got to get this fixed. This Bitcoin thing is going to be a big deal. Let's roll up sleeves. I'll help you. I'll come out <laughs> and, um, you know, spend time with legislators. And it was just a passion project. Again, you know, for somebody who's not an engineer, this is kind of how we can contribute to the open source, um, you know, code. Law is an open source code. And um, it's just a different version of code, but it's in a different operating system, but it's code. And so somebody's got to help them write it. And that's what I did. And then Tyler Lindholm, I got, got connected to him through a college friend. And, um, and it turns out that somebody had donated Bitcoin to his campaign, I think in 2015. So he knew all, what, <laughs> all about what it was. And then once he realized, you know, he found a kindred spirit, um, it was, it was, he, he was the one who kept pushing me. I got to give him credit um, that there's just, we could do so much more with this. What else can we do? What else can we do? What else can we do? And that first year, which was 2018, um, the, uh, yeah, it was the legislative session in 2018. We formed the group in 20 fall of 2017 and, uh, and Tyler kept pushing me saying, um, let's get more done. So we got the money transmitter law fixed almost. I think that one went through unanimously and then four more bills that year. And then I think nine the next year and then six the next year and then four more last year or whatever the numbers are. It's, it's, it, it's imagine, a juggernaut. Can you imagine if you could go back and tell yourself the success that's going to happen over the next three years? Oh like, man, I never, you know, I just ran <laughs> with it. It's a good lesson in life. You know, you got to pivot. Um, and it was so, so meaningful because you can tell I just really love Wyoming. It's just such a wonderful place. It is a citadel in so many ways. And um Michael Saylor even talked about it when he was uh, he did a, um, a an hour long interview, I think, with Tucker Carlson or something, someone like that um, a couple nights ago. And he started talking about citadels and he named Wyoming. It's a place one of the few states with no income tax. Um, and that, again, this ethos here, it's just crypto fits. And so there are a lot of crypto people who are if they're not moving here, they're at least domiciling their business here to take advantage of all the laws that we have. And um yeah, yeah, I never another, would have thought it would have turned into this. <laughs> yeah, that's another topic I wanted to touch on. So um, in the context of you said you created, um, I forget the verbiage, but in order to help um, female engineers, um, mm -hmm. you know, on-ramp into the ecosystem. So um, I wonder if you, do you have a sense, and of course I, I anticipate you'll be humble here, but I, you know, I, 
I would like you, you know, in your honest opinion here, do you have a sense of, of the impact that your work is having and perhaps how you'll be viewed in the future or how other people are inspired by you or anything like that? Does that ever cross your mind? Oh gosh, no, you know, honestly, because I don't do it for that. It's kind of, it's, it, it's, I'm a little, I'm more than a little uncomfortable with how much credit I'm getting because of course one person couldn't have done this. Sure. I just happened to have been a spark um, and brought together people who actually made it happen. And, and it's the legislators who have the power. I'm not an elected official. I never voted on any of it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a, you know, I'm not an elected official. Yes, have I advised? Um, and, you know, am I behind the dais as a non-voting member of, the, of these committees? Yes. Mm -hmm. But um, but there are so many people who, who made it happen. And they're the ones who really deserve the credit, especially including the governors, sure. um, especially in the very early years, Governor Mead back in it was 2017 at first. Um, he was like, whoa, what is this thing? And in fact, then if, if you think about what was happening, everybody was like, it's just for drug dealers and, you know, um, dark web <laughs> gambling and that yeah. stuff. And, and so we had a lot of educating to do, but I, 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 I must hand the credit to the people of the state sure. of Wyoming who wanted to do this uh, because it's their legislators who did it. Yeah. yeah, I expected you to be humble. Nicely done. You you answered what I expected. So, yeah, well, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, I like, am proud. There a lot of female engineers have gotten scholarships and and you know just extra money to help. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's several dozen a year um, that are that are getting some money, um, yeah. and I'm just hoping that it, it keeps them in. Um, is it personal? Yeah, because I, I I watched how few women even start in the STEM field, and then a lot drop out. And I'm one who did start and dropped out. Um, and you know, thinking back in my situation, what could have been done differently? I don't know if it was tutoring. I don't know if it was support groups. Um, you know, just the whole idea that you come out of college, come out of high school doing really well, and then um, get into college and realize this stuff's really hard. And I did not make that transition very well, but you know, it all worked out well for me. <laughs> so sure. Yeah. And to touch on your other part, um, you had mentioned something about, uh, I'm paraphrasing of course, but you had mentioned to get, you know, to have people either move to Wyoming or domicile in Wyoming. And so it appears to me from the outside, um, that that is being successful because there have been yeah. a couple large companies. Didn't IOHK relocate from Hong Kong to Wyoming? And then there were- They were the first. Yeah, yep. I'm sure you know more than me. There were a handful of companies when I was at the Wyo Hackathon. One of them, who I just can't remember his name. I apologize, man. It was a video game startup, but they just relocated from NYC to Cheyenne. So yep. they literally left New York City, not just New York, the state. They <laughs> left NYC for Cheyenne. So I think you're already yeah. being successful in that regard. I know myself. I'm, oh, yeah. I want to buy a ranch in Wyoming. I want to put, put, a, put down roots there. I feel like there's something amazing that's happening there. And I can project forward and see how it plays out over, you know, over time. More and more people putting down roots there today just lead to a better network effect of ecosystem. There's going to be more startups and more money and more players and definitely huge impact. Oh yeah, I, I don't even know what the numbers are. It's, it's well over a thousand companies now um, wow. that have like Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto, you know, those kinds of names, if you keyword search the Secretary of State's um, database. But keep in mind, um, we don't want a database of this, right? So I, ca I can't quantify for you sure. exactly how many companies have come <laughs> here. It's a feature, not a bug, that I can't do that. Precisely because it's, you have your own privacy. You don't have to disclose yourself. Um, and, you know, if you want to, great. And there is an active community here. There are Bitcoin and blockchain meetups in Cheyenne and um, Jackson Hole that I know of. Um, but there are miners all over the state. Um, uh, literally, some really big miners um, are quietly setting, setting up shop here. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm hearing about it just through the grapevine. And I love the fact that, that I'm not a gatekeeper. No one has to tell me what you're doing. If you're here and you want to tell yourself, you know, pop yourself up. Great. Wild hackathon tends to be the place people do get together. And then you, like you said, Gabriel, you start learning, oh my gosh, there are businesses that actually did move here, not just, you know, register here. So yeah, Wyoming really didn't spend any money on this. Yeah, they passed a few laws, but it's not like there's money associated with it. We do get people occasionally asking, is there, you know, kind of relocation grants and things like that? The answer is no, there's not because the state doesn't have an income tax. Um, again, feature not a bug. Um, you don't want to end up going to a state that's going to pay you to relocate because once they pay you to relocate, it's the old saying, a government big enough to give you what you want is big enough to take away everything you have, <laughs> right? So you really don't, you don't want a big government. Um, and again, the ethos here is uh, the, the budget in the, in the state of Wyoming is um, just, it, it's a boom bust economy because of the, the energy economy, but it's one of two states that actually has a surplus. Um, when you move here, um, you're, you know, implicitly every, every person who's living in the state either has implicit debt or implicit assets to their name. In, in 48 United States, you've all got implicit debt to your name. In Wyoming, you've got implicit assets to your name. And what that means is basically, you know, there's a, there's a slush fund to pay for the schools. Um, and uh, that's why there's no state income tax here. And uh, property taxes are very, very low. When I moved here from the New York City area, pretty much everything went down by about 60% my, in terms of my cost of living. Um, my property taxes, my um, just even buying a beer or a glass of wine at the restaurants, it's, it's just a lot cheaper here um, than it is in, in, the, in the high cost cities for sure. And do you get a sense that the um, pace of uh, legislation is accelerating or decelerating? Uh, are things heating up or has the bulk of the work been done? I think the bulk of the work's been done. The most important stuff, you know, like defining the property rights in, in, in crypto, um, you know, there's, you don't need to keep refining that. It, it's a one and done kind of thing. There'll, there will definitely be a number of bills that go through every year for the special purpose depository institutions. And I should mention that, um, it, it, you know, there's a lot on, on Wyoming's um, plate, a lot at stake for Wyoming to win on these special purpose depository institutions, because there are some very large companies that want to move to Wyoming um, and they're watching what's happening with Kraken and Avanti as we get through the Fed. And it's not been easy. They've been, you know, the regulators have changed the rules on us now three times. Um, and so, you know, it's the oldest child syndrome, right? The oldest child is the one who- That's so who, challenging uh, as a startup. Rules. But as yeah. a startup, how do you even budget your runway if you've got legislation swap rug pulling three times? That's, that's crazy. Yeah, well, and I suspect it's not over. Um, but you know, we were able to raise a lot of money. We raised um, forty-four million dollars, and thank goodness. Um, and, and by the way, a lot of crypto OGs, some of whom are publicly disclosed, some of whom are not. Trace Mayer is the um, is the guy who put together the oh, consortium yeah, that OG. led our Series A. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, part of his thought process is we we just need more banks in this industry who are friendly to this industry who are specializing from a compliance perspective and what it's gonna to take to serve the, the good companies and good people in this industry who are going to pass you know, all, the, all the compliance reviews, right? Somebody who's doing ed, you know, sketchy stuff doesn't, isn't gonna pass the compliance reviews, but there are a lot of good startups that unfortunately hit the wall in 2017 because their bank closed their bank account and Silvergate couldn't onboard customers fast enough. 
to, to keep some of these startups going. We heard a lot of testimony from startups um, that flocked to Wyoming in the legislative hearings to tell their stories about how they lost their bank accounts. And it's just, you know, it's just wrong. Um, it's unfortunate because some really great businesses went out of business simply because they lost their bank accounts. So yeah, again, harden your business for this. Avanti is gonna be open in 2022. You know, we're, 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 we're one of the banks that isn't gonna abandon this industry for sure. Um, but, uh, but, but most really it's kind of common risk, risk management practice at this point that, that most of the startups actually have more than one bank account, as painful as that is. Um, it's just, it's, it protects you from that attack vector. Sure. So I, I want to jump in here and ask a, a builder question. Yeah. You're, you're, you're building a bank. So like, I yeah. understand when you launch a, when you, when you build a software startup, you, you start with a product, you, you start writing code. Yeah. How do you, how does one build a bank? Like, what do you do on day one when you're like, we're doing this? <laughs> like, I mean, I understand there's the paperwork and like legal side of this, but like, are you guys like building products for like managing oh, yeah. like, all of the money transmission and like storing it? Like what, yep. what goes into building a bank? I just have no idea. <laughs> well, um, I've, I've learned a lot and I have the answers. Um, and, you know, basically, unfortunately, it's a lot more complicated than you think. Um, just to be able to launch a US dollar service, we have basically seven different products um, that the engineers have had to build. So um, just to be able to provide U.S. dollar service product, services to customers, it's a lot. Um, and, and I'll say this, you know, you guys are, are, are all familiar with Bitcoin by definition. Um, you can spin up a Bitcoin node and um, start, um, you know, running a full node that's fully synced within a few hours. It's a fairly lightweight exercise. To integrate with the U.S. dollar payment systems is a minimum of months, minimum. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I know yeah. which technology is going to win just on that basis alone. Um, yeah. Just that, you know, the, the financial services industry is so interested in building these walled gardens and all these bells and whistles. And you know what? They sacrifice when they do that interoperability. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're going to have, um, we won't have the customer facing APIs exposed uh, right away, but we will be um, exposing customer facing APIs. So you can write your own software to direct your own US dollar payments, as long as you, you know, again, pass the, pass the, <laughs> the customer checks, right? It, this is a, it's funny because I'll share Brian Bishop, our CTO. Um, one of the reasons, he's a Bitcoin core guy. Um, you know, he's also the guy who has archived the um, Bitcoin Core developer meetings because he he live types meetings while he's participating in them. I've never seen anything wow. like it. Um, <laughs> and um, thank goodness we have him in the in the industry because he's literally got the archive of every meeting, so you can trace the 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 history of of Bitcoin Core development. But um, anyway, the reason I bring him up is um, his concept of wanting to work for a bank, which of course most developers never will. Right? You want to avoid it like a plague from a professional perspective because you're trying to disrupt the banking industry. So why did a Bitcoin core developer agree to become CTO of Avanti and a co-founder with me? And the answer is very simple. He wanted to be able to write software to pay his bills. Very simple. And you couldn't, didn't understand why <laughs> you couldn't do that. And um, with, with us, the, you know, we're only serving businesses. Um, we won't be serving consumers because the, the compliance requirements to serve consumers are massively higher than the compliance requirements to serve businesses, mm -hmm. but we will be serving the companies that face consumers in this industry. Um, and so just being able to offer API-based US dollar services 
um, is itself a pretty, pretty, pretty exciting thing. Even if we were never doing anything in crypto, like the stablecoin, like custody, mm -hmm. just offering an API, a customer-facing yeah, yeah. API, to you know, it, 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 at some level, you kind of, kind of wonder why does a company like Stripe exist? Should it exist? Would it need to exist if the banks were actually <laughs> doing their job? It's an existential question for you know some of the banks, but yeah. it tells you just how outdated that that technology is. And some of it is the regulation. Again, back to the analogy of everybody gets mad at the airlines when the flights are delayed, um, but it's not always there. It's in most cases not their fault. It's the regulations that that yeah. cause cause you're the problems. You're talking to one of the people, not myself, but Connor, who has probably felt that pain more than anybody I personally <laughs> know. Building this NFT marketplace <laughs> and dealing with U.S. dollar uh, payments, it's been a journey for him, man. I've been seeing this. Guy go yeah, through yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's going to be a so, lot. So I, I, I like to say, yeah, a little bit of a lag. Go for it, Connor. Yeah. So go for I, it. I yeah. like to say that I think I think crypt I think crypto's worst case scenario. You know, we might not you know take over all of social media or like reinvent funding the arts. If that doesn't take off, the worst case scenario is we just replace all of the back end financial infrastructure in the world because working with payment processors and stuff, trying to do credit card payments, they take two days to clear. You know, and then ACHs, that's another can of worms. International wires, and that's just domestic. Now you, yeah. you, you go international, like every country has their own kind of form of ACH. Like, and now we have, you know, 3DS requirements in the European Union. It's just, the, the explosion is so large. And if we just replace, if we just get credit cards that just uh, under the hood are just transmitting USDC or, or whatever, or Bitcoin or what whatever whatever technology you want like that's that's a very feasible thing that just is just kind of replacing technology that is very very uh, you know not consumer oriented like that's the yeah. worst case scenario yep <laughs> yep and it's it, there's so much low-hanging fruit but to get that bank charter mm -hmm. and to get the approval is brutally difficult as nick carter points out there aren't very many of those no. it's really hard to get one well, that's um, why and, you're and, going to go down history that's that's the step that's <laughs> the big step that's the step that, that so many other people are not going to do right that's but, the the deal yeah yeah well and it's like we talked about in, in laramie in september at the hackathon um because we we're talking about the the stable coins right this is exactly the use case for the stable coins is to, is to the, the stable coin technology settles a us dollar in minutes with irreversibility there are a lot of mm -hmm. use cases where that's valuable not just in crypto trading yeah. and i think that, you know that's why um congress and 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 the bank regulators were so threatened by Facebook Libra because they recognized it, it could very quickly obsolete the the backwards banking system and so they've slowed it down um, and so now we're trying to get inside the banking system and do it within their rules and yes they keep you know that they're definitely the incumbents have thrown um, sand in, in our wheels but but you know we're the we're we're pretty uh, intrepid and um, tenacious and we're 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 figuring it out and. Um, you know, yeah. Um, ultimately, if we can, if we can expose the APIs and customers can use them, in, the stablecoin regulation is going to be, I think, diff different. They want the issuer itself to be the bank. Um, but um, there's so much that can be built, and this is what we were talking about, Gabriel, in, in September. There's, there's so much can be done just by us putting it out there and being sort of the back. You know, we being the back end. Um, we're we're the ones that will issue it. So just to be clear, we're, our, our proposal is to issue our Avid product on Liquid, which is a side chain of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Why did we pick those two? Because Bitcoin's the most secure right now, the longest prov proven security. And Ethereum is, is right now the market standard. Um, 
we have to use more than one for risk management purposes, because if one of them goes down, we've got to be able to burn the tokens and reissue them on the other. Um, so unlike New York, which only allows really the, and the New York trust companies that are issuing stable coins are only doing them on Ethereum. Um, um, we're, we are required to choose two um, and we're going to go slow, right? I mean, the, the, the regulators are making us prove that this is secure. So um, this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. But all that said, we haven't talked much about smart contracts. I, I did a detour <laughs> after I left Morgan Stanley to Symbiont, which is an enterprise smart contract platform. And so I've seen the use of, of enterprise smart contracts um, and I'm a big believer in smart contracts. So um, so I actually do believe that's something different than Bitcoin. And so let's stay, I you know, I stay out of that debate because to me, the smart contract world is different uh, than, than, than Bitcoin. And the two obviously coexist and there's powerful technology in smart contracts Absolutely. that can automate a lot of manual functions. And I'm a big believer that that is going to be enormously valuable technology in mainstream financial services. What I thought in 2016 was that the mainstream world would go through the walled garden period and then go to the, you know, it's like intranet and then internet. We'll do the walled gardens first and then mm -hmm. eventually we'll, we'll use the open source backends. It, what I missed was that Bitcoin and, and the rest of the crypto market would become so popular among the moneyed class that it kind of skipped over the enterprise <laughs> versions. And, you know, some of the, some of the companies that were really hot companies in 2015, 2016 were the enterprise blockchain, blockchain companies. You just don't hear very much about them anymore because it's the open source permissionless world that's taken over. And I love smart contracts technology. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it has been one hour exactly. Yeah. Extremely <laughs> respectful of your time. So thank you so much for joining us, Caitlin. Wow, that was amazing. You are just a wealth of knowledge and truly, truly, truly one of my favorite people in the entire space. Thank you for everything that you do. You're an absolute Thank you, likewise. Star. Yeah, you're an absolute yeah. rock star and I know your work is gonna have a huge impact. So please keep it up and thank you so much. You're welcome anytime. If you ever want to plug anything or just chat, obviously let me know. You can come back anytime. <laughs> awesome, when you're ready to announce the avalanche, uh, <laughs> avalanche with Devonti, you know, come back. Uh, exactly. Bring the news here. Hey, we're watching. We're keeping an eye on everything that's going on in the space. You're going to see the banks walk, you know, more slowly than than companies that are not regulated. It's just the nature of the beast. But uh, we, we really are a friendly to this industry and, and really are here to serve the industry. So keep, uh, keep your eyes open for, uh, for our launch date announcement. It won't be before the end of the year that we'll, we'll talk about it, but it's coming soon. So okay, thanks yeah, so, so much, everybody. So now, Kate, Kate, Caitlin is fantastic on Twitter and everybody here should definitely give her a follow. I've learned, I've learned a ton from, from your account. So where, where can people follow you on Twitter? Oh, at Caitlin Long underscore. Um, I also post on LinkedIn. That's where a lot of the mainstream financial right. people talk. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's a different audience. Uh, and uh, uh, and then, uh, of course, AvantiBank.com. I'll put all the links below for the YouTube crowd, of course. Um, any last minute thoughts at all? Do you want to shout out to your team, anything? Oh, well, of course, shout out to the team. They are yeah. they are working their butts off. It's it's <laughs> wait till you see what we're, what we're producing. It's, it's yeah. going to take a little while. It's just like any technology. It's going to take a little while. So I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, but we are going to be bringing things that are different to this industry. Give us some time, but we are, I think, going to help solve some problems for this industry for sure. Thanks, everybody. Best wishes to you all. Yeah, thank you. All right, Connor. Thank you, my friend. Have safe travels. Do you have any last minute thoughts? 
Uh, no, yeah, you can just uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, das underscore Connor, D-A-S underscore C-O-N-N-O-R. All right, thank you, everybody. As I mentioned, my name is Gabriel Cardona. You can follow me on Twitter at C-G Cardona. That's C-G-C-A-R-D-O-N-A. Um, and as always, thank you so much. If you made it this far, you're an absolute champion. We will be back next week. And so as always, from Snowflake to Avalanche and through Consensus to the Stars. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Cheers. <laughs>